Called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads. But I froze my bag off. Like I had every piece of clothes on inside my Catch me howling at the moon. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Try to catch me howling at the Welcome back to another episode. Come out heavy. It's uh, episode 51 for us. We've been on quite a fucking roll in 2024, eh, Dev? Oh, fuck. The boys are buzzing. Three three episodes in a month and a half. Fuck, look out, podcasting world. Yeah, get chirped about podcasts in our names, but don't actually put any podcasts out. Well, we're back, bitches. <laughs> yeah, we say that now. You wait three months, and we'll have one more episode out or something. <laughs> yeah, we stockpiled three for the fucking beginning of 2024. We're good till probably summer now, eh? Yeah, I mean, if you take it on the last six month average, we're good till at least April. So that's all you get. <laughs> you don't want to give them. You don't want to give the fans too much. No, no quality over quantity. That's that's what I've always said. Qualities. That's a take that with a grain of salt too, though, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, let's do a little touch base intro again like we normally do here. And uh, since we're doing so many podcasts, Kurt and I don't have as many things to go over. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, we're when we release this episode, we're probably going to be, oh, I don't know, a week, week and a half out from BC's Sheep Show. So Sheep Show, what are they calling it? Salute to Conservation and Mountain Hunting Expo, I think is the official names that I keep hearing thrown around. And we talked about it on the last one. It was a really good show and we appreciate all the feedback from you guys. Um, and I hope it inspired you to get involved, whether your life can't, you know, line up so you can get to the sheep show. That's cool. But go to Durrell, buy some raffle tickets, um, you know, support Precision Optics and Omer, support the Wild Sheep Society of BC, become a one-year member, just to you know be involved i mean you don't have to be a life member like we've always said but we'd really appreciate you guys you know coming by saying hi to us um yeah taking in the show if you're around the penticton area i mean i'd recommend it kurt and i are well we're bullshitting about it every day now like the little things we're trying to get prepared for and help out and i don't know it's gonna be basically two and a half days of a a lot of fun and and a lot of shit to check out yeah, man, I'm pretty excited. That I love the raffles there. Like that's buying the tickets, putting it in for for a rifle or a sheep camp draw, all that stuff, man. It, I love it. Even the live auction too. It's uh, the first year I went to the live auction. You know, like a lot of money's getting thrown around. I was like, holy fuck! Like I'm not gonna bid on nothing. But a little bit of liquid courage gets in you, and next thing you know, Devin and I are bidding on a hunt in Africa. <laughs> fucking you know and then we, we got the cooler later that fucking show too and yeah you know you, you you get a little bit loose let your hair down not that i have any but let your hair down and 
who knows what you'll walk away with, right? Yeah, I mean, that it's fun to watch. I mean, last year, I think we talked about it on our Sheep Show recap, was like fucking high rollers coming in. The cooler prize pack went quick and expensive, so it was way out of our our money range, I guess you'd call it. But the big thing I'm looking forward to this year, I mean, mainly because it's a reinvented event, I guess you'd say, is the vendors they have, like Omer and Kyle talking about, like, I didn't know crispy boots was going to have an entire setup there. And they're on my list of like, I've talked about it on the last couple podcasts. My boots are fucked. Like my hand wags are fucked. Like seams are blowing and I need boots like this. I can wear these maybe for bear hunting and shit this spring, but like come mountain hunting season this fall, this summer, whatever happens. And crispies, you bought a pair of crispies. Uh, the guy who we have on this podcast today, Joe, he, I know he, his big fucking feet, he rocks crispies. So I'm definitely going to be trying on a pair of crispies or many pairs and, and talking to the boys there. So, you know, really get that's where my mindset's at. So if you're someone who's like on the fence about coming to these things, think about all the gear that you potentially own and don't know everything about or un- try to understand where the upgrades are. Like, like Kurt and I have always said, we are looking for learning chances from these experts and these people that always are, you know, boots on the ground or the they're in the know with this type of stuff. So that's that's a big one on my list. I mean, what about you for gear and that kind of stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, I bought the one pair of Brickstall SFs last year and I've been nothing but happy with them. I haven't taken them sheep hunting because I obviously didn't go last year, but I've been on lots of elk hunts and, you know, deer hunts moose hunts and shit like that and so far so happy they're the comfiest boots i got and those are the stiffest ones crispy makes and like i don't know some people i love stiff boots like if i could wear those every fucking day and not look like a clown walking around town with fucking like mountaineering boots on but like they're just comfy man the arches in them fit my feet good i got fucked up feet too so like when i'm at work in work boots my feet kill every day and i have one foot that's fucking it's over a full shoe size bigger than the other one. So I've always battled buying boots. It either fits one foot and it's big on the other one or it's tight. And yeah, I, these things have been good, man. Like I had Mendel's for 12 years before that and I love them as well, but these definitely less time to break in just as comfy, if not comfier durability. I don't know. I haven't tested them out yet, but I know Garrick, he just bought a bunch like the nice thing with Krispies too is like if you go on their website, those fucking guys got a lot of different kind of boots. Like it's actually a little mm-hmm. bit overwhelming because you don't you might not know what you want to buy. But if they got a booth set up where you can try on, like they got the Colorados, they got the brick stalls, the guides, like and there's twenty other ones all in the same genre. Like you can really see what you what your plan is for them. If it's a mountaineering boot or a sheep hunting boot, they've got five pairs that'll fit you. If it's more of a flat ground deer hunting boot or something like that, then they got more flexible styles. But so far, so good for me. Like I'm, I've been pretty happy with them. I'm, I'm also look like I want to see the the Kafaru stuff and the Stone Glacier shit that Omer's bringing down. It's uh, that's kind of got my interest a little bit too. We've we've always been Kuyu guys, and it have to be pretty spectacular to pull me away from from what I know and what I like, but. Sometimes you don't know what you like if you haven't seen it yet, right? So that's I'm definitely going to be checking that one out as well. What about you? Besides yeah, the boots, I mean the well the 
Yeah, the Kafaru and Stone Glacier are high on my list. I mean, I have seen Stone Glaciers. So that kind of my thoughts, because I've talked about it a bit on why, or I guess maybe I haven't talked about it, but I am thinking about a backpack this year of a different backpack. And like Kurt said, with we've been running Kuyu packs and frames for a lot of years. And I guess it's always that hard question of like, why are you going to change backpacks? Like, is it actually going to be that much better to invest over a thousand dollars into another bag? Um, for me, I'm looking for something that carries the, what I would consider the double load. So like you kill something and you got to carry all of your gear out and meat. So my Kuyu bag's been perfect for hauling in our sheep camps, uh, regular elk hunts, that kind of stuff. But I do get some really sore spots or awkward loading and it does seem like it shifts a lot and the theory behind why is potentially how kuyu holds their frame down like it's it's center mounted so the bottom of the frame is just in that pocket whereas the xo has a little bit more of a wider set where the frame locks in so it's a little bit more out on your hips i believe kafaros are similar to that so mine is like i want to talk to aaron schneider Never met the guy, never talked to him, and really question him on that. Like, And now he just launched the ARC system, which I'm super curious about because from everything I read on Kafaru's ARC system, it's like the next level of load hauling. It, and in uh, ergonomic carbon fiber, I think I believe it is, so like lightweight, um, I don't know. It's XO Mountain Gear is also something on my list, as well it's really tricky like there's three bags that i'm considering and then what are they going to be the benefits uh yeah so that'll be that'll be a good one to really get someone like aaron who you know i kind of respect the hunter he is as far as the shit he does like his his pack outs and how he approaches hunting uh, i think that guy's actually got some real world experience so to, to chat with someone like that about it that's uh that'll be a really good one yeah yeah, it'd be good to pick his ear on stuff like that for sure. They seem to be innovating quite a bit too, right? Like they, I'm not sure exactly. I, I believe they started with backpacks, but they're into to clothing and tents and stoves and all that shit now, which is kind of neat. Hopefully they have a whole bunch of that there. I know Omer had a ton of Kafaru last year, but you know what it's like? His booth is just, seems like there's a hundred people swarming around there at once and everyone's grabbing stuff off, trying it on, doing whatever. But hopefully this year, having all these different booths set up, it's going to be hopefully a little bit more spread out where a guy is not, you can have a little bit more time to handle something and put it on. Right. But it, it's good, man. I'm, I'm excited. It's well, going to be hope... a really good show. Yeah, I agree. And I think I'm hoping like I, last year, yeah, I threw a stone glacier bag on, but it was it was stuffed full of newspaper, so it weighed nine and a half pounds or something, right? Like, oh, everything feels great at nine and a half pounds. What we probably should do is figure out what weight they're throwing in the the backpacks for the backpack race, and instead of tossing that aside, bring it into the booths where Stone Glacier is, and bring it into Kafaro's booth or Omer's booth, and that's what I'm more curious about: is throw some weight in it and like actually see if you notice 
like a better comfort or anything like that. So maybe that's something we can wrangle up or we'll, we'll figure out when we're there. Cause that's really ultimately what we should be doing. Like not just throwing on a light bag. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, you don't know till the fucking might be super comfy with 80 pounds. And then when you throw 150 in there, you're going to know where, where the hot spots are for sure. Right. Like, yeah. You know, we did it with our Rams, our elk. It's yeah. When you get out of there, man, and your back is rubbed fucking raw because the, the lumbar pads not set up right. Or maybe your pack isn't adjusted to your, your torso. It, it'll fuck you up. Like it, it'll take you yeah. down for days. And if you have, two, three day pack out, you're going to be fucking mangled by the end of it. So it's good. It's, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. And for as far as what we talked about last time, uh, what we're going to help support, we are still on track for that. So yeah, try to track us down. We'll probably release some Instagram posts, stories, stuff closer to, cause we don't actually have details Yep, because of the, I think they just did the Northern fundraiser this last weekend. So getting everything lined up with the boys from the Wild Sheep Society of BC and, and getting time set for when we can set up the glassing station and, and do those types of things hasn't been set yet, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted as soon as we know. And then if you are looking to, you know, come by and check out a bunch of glassing setups and look at some sheep at a distance, uh, we'll let you know what times to do that. But definitely... I've had some good feedback from people who've listened to the episode or heard about our idea. Um, even Joe Appel thought it was a something he'd like to come over and, and bullshit with us and kind of show what he does. And that was kind of what we talked about in, I think, this episode. It was like, if you have little tricks and things that you guys do, I mean, Joe's big one was he always just records video, right, and does all of his snaps afterwards. So uh, simple things like that. I mean, that's the discussion we're hoping to have. So I mean, we might have to get like a step ladder for like Joe to go onto the, or for us to go to Joe's tripod, but uh, he might just have to crouch down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. Um, we're also, we're going to get a, a good shipment of hats in for the show as well. So we're going to have them set up at our booth. We're also going to have them set up at Omer's booth as well. And uh I know they, they sold out fast last time we did it. We got raped by shipping. So uh be nice to to sell as many as we can at the show compared to trying to ship and just pay Canada Post more than what the hat's worth. So if you guys are looking to get a hat, come down to the show and and there'll be a bunch there. So Yeah. And talk to your buddies if you're the only ones going and you know they want a hat. I mean, this would be the best to get it for us too, because like Kurt said, we don't until we figure out this whole shipping world or not at all, it's, it's going to be hard for us to justify trying to ship hats out until Canada Post figures their shit out. But, I mean, there has been chats. Maybe we can have a few kicking around at Omer's in the future, but we don't we don't have that locked in or anything. But it, it's been there's been talks about it that we potentially have it set up there. But Yeah, so just to put it in perspective for some of the people, you get a $25 hat made, you sell it for 40 bucks which is great. We're not doing it to make money or anything, but it's kind of the going rate for a hat. And then you go to ship it out and Canada post rate was like $38. So it's like, <laughs> that was a kick in the dick for sure. But that's the way it goes. You learn. I, I remember Omer telling me he laughed when I said, Oh yeah, we're going to ship them out for this much. And he's just like, ha, have fun. 
you guys see let, let me learn the hard way but uh yeah so anyways if you guys are looking to get some hats we're gonna have a bunch of them there uh, a bunch of different colors i think we got seven different colors there so uh yeah that's one more thing if you guys are interested in that uh looking forward to meeting everybody at the show um anything you want to touch on before we send it over to joe yeah, I mean, it's there's only like one in the news or uh, I guess kind of hunting world update that Kurt don't Kurt and I don't know a lot about yet, but uh, kind of bringing it to our attention is we saw a post the other day. I think it was the BC Wildlife Federation, and it was about you know CWB CWB CWD being uh, found in deer in Region Four. I think is is what am I understanding? So. Um, Maybe we'll look into getting more details on this or getting someone on. It sounds like it's a, or it is a big deal if this does spread and, and goes through the entire province or however that works. But it's, uh, I think it was always, by the sounds of the feedback and the comments I, I've read just briefly, it's it was expected that it was always going to get here. Um, and I think what I'd like to research and find out is, is there anything people or we can do to help mitigate the spread i mean that's probably the biggest thing so i don't know a lot of details about it but i would keep an eye out for that um if there is any newsletters or support coming out about that i would just we'll we'll let you know when we know but uh, if you guys have any details on it too we'd appreciate the feedback because it doesn't sound like a good thing for our wildlife no man it's i've i've heard lots of podcasts about it and i know it's big in the states it's not good. Like, I'm not sure what the deer populations are like down. It, it sounds like, well, I know region four, they've been monitoring it. So waiting, it's pretty much waiting for not if, but when it's going to come across the border. So I hope they fucking jump on this right away. Go through. I don't know what, what, the, what they can do to mitigate it right off the bat. It, I imagine it'd be something similar to like what they did for the, um, the movie in the Fraser Canyon kind of thing, right? Where they go in there, mm. catch animals, test them. If they're positive, fucking sayonara, man. Like it's, it's for the greater health of the herd and you don't want that shit spreading. It, it once it gets into these pockets of deer and it's just going to keep moving and moving and moving. So hopefully they get on it right away going by our government what we've all experienced we're probably fucked <laughs> but you know or they might act on it in three years when it's a major problem not a small problem hopefully that's not the case hopefully i know uh, bc wildlife federation they've that jesse zeman had a big post on it so hopefully his voice is being heard uh in victoria and across the province the only other thing would be maybe your your mlas you can fucking reach out to them and I mean, I've done it a handful of a message back, but if they're fucking NDP or left wing supporting cucks, then good luck getting a fucking answer back from them. But you can still annoy the piss out of them regardless. I send emails to all of them all across the province. It's fucking funny, man. They they ask for your address and then I don't I don't give it to them because I obviously don't live there. But I let them I let them know my thoughts sometimes. <laughs> that's good uh yeah so that's kind of shitty shitty disappointing news and hopefully it doesn't become a fucking major thing we have to 
talk about or have a podcast on. But other than that, today's show, I mean, Kurt and I, like we said, we've been buzzing this year um, with episodes, trying to stay on top of it. And we figured what, you know, better time to get Joe Appel back on the show. Um, It had been close to three years. Joe has been on one episode before. So if you haven't heard that episode, it was episode 15. Uh, where we met Joe for the first time, and, and at that time he was new to the Edge TV show. He was new to a lot of mountain hunting, like sheep hunting and backpack hunting and that kind of stuff. And that episode was great. And we figured, well, he's a speaker at the seminars this in the Sheep Show weekend coming up. Um, and we've always enjoyed our conversations we have had with him, and figured we'd get him on, get him to tell some stories about what's going on in life, what he's been doing with hunting the last two and a half years. And I don't know, it's always a good bullshit when sports guys, not that Kurt and I played to the level of Joe, but we kind of all run on the same wavelength when it comes to bullshit and telling stories and, and just kind of mentality towards things. So I had a uh, great chat with him and I uh, look forward to seeing him at the sheep show coming up. And I gave him shit for not having a drink with us last time. Yeah. And, Jeff, definitely, you're going to notice Joe at the Sheep Show because he'll be about three feet taller than everybody else walking around. So he might as well have a fucking big red light on top of his head because everyone is going to notice him. But it was a great conversation, man. He's just easy to talk to. He's a normal, he's a normal guy. He's not trying to trying to be bigger than he is, which is already ginormous. But uh, he's just, he's just a good guy, man. Like you sit there and bullshit like he's one of the guys and. Uh, it's kind of neat following along. Like when we met him the first time, like Devin said, he was just getting into the industry and being, um, what would you call him? Like a online personality ambassador. ambassador yeah. yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, seeing his, his show and seeing him on there. Right. It, it's kind of good watching a cool BC guy do shit like that and, and evolve as a hunter too. Right. Like, going from sheep hunting to caribou to moose hunting, man, the guy's done a bunch of hunts in the last three years and he's been very successful doing it. So yeah, it's, it's going to be good to catch up with him in Penticton and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one because he's a uh, salt of the earth for sure. He's just an all around good dude. All right. Well, with all that said, we'll send it over to Joe Appel. All right, uh, I'm happy to welcome back uh, Joe Appel. And uh, some guys, I'm going to ask right off the bat, if we called you Big Joe, does that offend you? No, no, that's kind of, believe it or not, that's been a nickname that's kind of been by my side for most of my life. Can't figure out why. But, uh, <laughs> Joe or Paul Bunyan, one of the two, eh? Oh, Mighty Joe Young, the list goes on. Man. <laughs> All of them. Well, yeah, well, thanks for uh, taking the time again. Um, we know you got a busy schedule, especially this time of year. And uh, obviously, if you guys don't know who he is, then we've said it before, on, then look him up because you can figure it out. We're not going to explain everything to you today. Uh, but a little quick background, BC born, uh, ex-pro football player, and now pretty passionate mountain hunter, TV show host, the list goes on. Uh, conservation, I would say participant and a volunteer so like joe you know just give us a little rundown on what's been going on in life and then we're going to shoot you some questions on how you balance all this you betcha what's been going on in life man it's been a whirlwind lately um 
you know, hunting season kind of wrapped, uh, obviously just a little bit ago, but, uh, nowadays hunting season doesn't really end. You just kind of switch gears and go into predator management or, you know, do some traveling for some hunts. So doing that this time of year right now for my, my day job, what I do with the network is a lot of the marketing and advertising side of things, commercial campaigns and stuff. So I was down in Vegas for shot show. I'm getting ready to go to, um, Western hunt down in Utah and obviously the salute to conservation in Penticton. So that's going to be a big one coming up here in a little bit as well. So right now is kind of what would be quote unquote the downtime, but it's, it's almost busier than full tilt season and uh, that, and then obviously being at home with the wife and kid and changing a lot of diapers in between all of that. So life's been busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was one of the questions I was saving for later, but uh, I've got a young kid really close to the age as you. And I just wondering like with, what you do with the TV show and the hunts, like how do you, how do you balance that, uh, into the schedule? It's, um, it's tough. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough when I'm gone. Uh, it used to be really easy when I left the house, you know, that the wife understood while I was, why I was away. Um, and the toughest part was just leaving my dog, her not knowing why I was gone kind of thing. But now having junior at home and, you know, being gone for, I mean, September last year, I was home a day and a half. And you can imagine at this age, they change so much at that time. So that's, that's hard. But when I'm home, I work from home most of the time. So like when I'm home, I'm really home. I've, I've set some strict limits, like hard offs with my day job. So like five, five thirty typically it's like, sorry guys, phones down, I'm out and put in quality time with the big guy. Um, and then in the mornings too, I make sure I get some time with him before he goes to daycare. So try and balance it. Cause yeah, certain times of the year, I'm definitely on the road a lot which makes it tough yeah it's it's been a battle for me to to try to balance that life and and the hunting and work and everything like that and i'm, I'm trying to navigate it through uh without pissing the wife off or pissing work off but yeah sometimes that's a that's a little secret battle that a lot of people don't know about till you have a kid right it's it's a delicate balance and yeah exactly a, a very patient wife is a huge key to that success right there so it sounds like you're probably doing well like i am i mean my wife's a hot-headed italian woman so i mean it's not always smooth sailing but <laughs> she hasn't changed the locks on me yet and she still lets me sleep in bed so life's good i guess <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, um one thing i've mentioned before i mean we all have young kids and when I, you know, Kurt and I would go backpack hunting or any kind of like a little bit more adventure style hunt. Like if you're going hunting for moose and you're staying in a trailer and it's, there's no real like, uh, worries, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say it's never really on your mind. But I remember the first falls that I would go leave the family and the newborn at home and go in a tent in grizzly country. And it, fuck it shocked me differently like I was more worried that I was gonna do something stupid and leave them or or you know put them in jeopardy and I wasn't caring about my life more than theirs so did you experience any of that with a lot of the adventures you're going yeah um I mean it's no secret when I was younger I was kind of dumb and reckless and I mean I fully thought I was bulletproof and I do a lot of crazy things nowadays I definitely think twice before I I do certain things in the bush. And I did, I took out an aggressive life insurance policy too, because as, as a, as a male figure, you know, that's a big part of what we do. We want to provide for our family. And I mean, um, definitely the ability to provide for them is that's one of my biggest concerns is it's, you know, if, if something does happen, if I were to do something stupid, 
how does that impact them? You know, him not having me as part of his life. So definitely it's weird to talk about. It's a heavy conversation, but it crosses my mind a lot. I mean, I, right away, just after he was born, he was born in December and that February, I was on a late season goat hunt and we found a great Billy at the top of a, a slide, like an active shoot basically. Um, and that face had a lot of sun exposure and we were trying to, we were sitting there trying to pick her out. Like, okay, how do we get up to this Billy? Um, and then all of a sudden an avalanche like went off in that shoot and we're sitting there looking and I'm like, you know, like when I was younger, I would have been like, cool, we'll just figure out like that avalanche just went. So it must be fine now. But now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't go up that way. And we ended up letting the Billy walk. Um, he moved into a spot. We could have shot him. And I mean, if everything went well, he would have slid down into our lap and it would have been probably one of the easiest retrievals. But if he snagged on any of the trees or rocks on the way down, it would have been a complete nightmare to get to him. And I just wasn't confident enough with my kind of um, skill level and that kind of terrain to say, okay, yeah, let's plug him and go after him. So um, yeah, if, if anybody watches the show, they saw that. And we, we had that Billy dead to rights. And the only reason Kyle and I didn't go up after that Billy is a hundred percent because I had a baby at home. Yeah. And you, you know, damn well, if you were shot at that thing would have hung up at the top and you'd be like, Oh man, we got to go get it. We, we dealt with that with Devin sheep. <laughs> just I, like, I like thinking that in my head, but now that I'm back home at the safety of my house, ever since that day, all I can picture is shooting that Billy and watching him just sail the whole way down to my feet. Yeah. Because as, as soon as you don't do it, you're like, it would have played out perfectly. That's the way you always imagine it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Just like moose like to dive where in the block instead of 20 feet in the blowdown, right? Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Like, so when, when we had you on, like you were just getting into the edge. Uh, I've been watching the edge for years, watching Steve and do his thing. And, uh, you know, watching, watching the episodes that I do get to see with you in it, it it's pretty neat being like, ah, oh, we bullshit with that guy. And, and watching how's your, how your career has progressed, like you said, you went on that sheep hunt, you got your first sheep. We were like falling along the whole time. And then it just seems oh. like you've been just pounding shit, like big elk, big moose, another big sheep. Like it's, it's pretty cool to follow along, man. Like, can you just walk us through that, like your progression in, in your career on the edge? Yeah. I mean, it's been a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a Cinderella story, but I've been very fortunate with how things have played out so far. Um, like I said, uh, I've got a very patient wife that lets me spend a lot of time in the field. And um, over the years, I've just had some great opportunities kind of start to fall in my lap. And, and if, basically anything I've done in my life, I, I probably go full tilt and I definitely go down the rabbit hole big time. So, um, you know, if there's an opportunity or things for me to chase, I definitely go full bore at it. And this with the hunting and with the show, I've been fortunate enough to go on some pretty amazing hunts and yeah, it's been quite a, I wonder how, how long has it been since that first uh, podcast we did? Cause it's definitely been a while, but um, it's got to yeah, be, I mean, I've been, two, it's at least two years. Well, we, I can look, but it's, yeah, it's been a while, but it's, it's, there's been some crazy hunts since then. Um, I mean, last year, yeah, this, like this year was a bit of a fairy tale for sure. I mean, I did the odd dad with Aaron down in uh, Texas. Then I did have a failed archery elk hunt. Um, then I went up North three wolves, uh, my stone, my second stone sheep, uh, the caribou. Then I came back 
headed back over for rifle for elk, smoked a nice elk, um, helped my wife get a mule deer. Then I went to Alberta, got a whitetail and came back and got my target blacktail. Right. So, um, it's, it's, yeah, I, there's certainly no complaining. Um, the freezers have been full, but at the same time, I get to spend a lot more time in the field than a lot of other people. So, um, that definitely leads to a lot of the success is just the freedom to be out there running around the Hills. Right. Yeah. If, if you're limited time, it's like, if you're going on a six day week hunt or something like that, unless you know the area and you've been scouting in there, it's kind of a crapshoot. You're like, either you're going to cross paths with the animal or you're not, or you might spend six days tracking them till you finally catch up to them. Like it's, it's, you got to put the time in, right. And anyone that is oh, a yeah. successful hunter all the time, you know, that it's, it's either luck or it's dedication and time for sure. Did you check the date on that episode, Devin? Yeah, so Joe was on episode 15, which I thought he was on actually earlier. Uh, and we posted that May 2021. So oh, man. Two, o- almost three years. Yeah, I don't even believe it's been that long. That, yeah, time's flown but, lately. But uh, yeah, that's going way back. Um, yeah, there's there's been a lot that's happened since then. That's for sure for all of us, I think. <laughs> well, no, yeah. no one's still listening to us. So nothing's changed on our front. <laughs> 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 yeah we still get the 50 people every episode yeah <laughs> yeah we're a loyal 50 that's all you need right the one, one thing i remember from that episode is you drank like a whole bottle of tequila <laughs> and and you could hear your ice yeah. clinking in your cup and yeah i think by the end of it we're all feeling pretty pretty warm <laughs> yeah that was an aggressive one i i remember that tonight i've got one whiskey in my mug and that that'll be the line for me yeah <laughs> I would say yeah. fatherhood has definitely made me pull back on those reins a little bit. Cause if you wake up foggy, he doesn't care. It's like, Nope, daddy, I don't care. There's no hitting the snooze button. We're, we're going. So. Yeah. I, I know all about that right now too, man. Yeah. It's the best though. Yeah. But, uh, well, let's, uh, let's hear a, a, I mean, you tell whatever story you would like to tell as far as the hunts, but I mean, I'm kind of said before we got this role and I was really curious about, your progression of stone sheep hunting. Cheers. a boy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we had you on episode 15, I was saying, I remember asking you, because we were on, we were just meeting each other for the first time. And I guess technically this is the second time, not face to face. I don't think we touched base at the last sheep oh. show. You're a busy yeah. guy. I think you just stopped You could in. see him because he was three yeah. feet taller than everybody else at the show, but... There was a big crowd following around everyone, all the paparazzi. So I'm like, I oh, will just leave him be. He looks busy. Nah, we'll have some whiskey yeah, this time. Fucking <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it was kind of like you went on one big long sheep hunt the last time, which was like, I don't know if it was your first or your second, but I remember you talking about long, not seeing a lot of sheep. You had like that, what we always talk about, that hard, long battle with a sheep hunt. Your food was tough at that time. Let's kind of walk through, like, just, you know, you don't have to do maybe, like, full explanation of each hunt, but how does it progress over the last two successful ones, and, and kind of where is it elevated to, and, and just give us that rundown. I'm really curious about the journey to where you are now, and the confidence level after killing two rams, I guess. Yeah, um, it was a lot of trial and error along the way, um, basically jumping at every opportunity I could. And having every conversation with anybody that would sit down and chat with me about sheep hunting. Um, But I, yeah, I went up north. I did, I think I did one more stone sheep hunt after that one. Um, 
And then I did a few sheep hunts along the Fraser as well. Um, unsuccessful, but spent a lot of time, like weeks and weeks and weeks sitting there glassing sheep and, and, um, putting time learning, you know, their behaviors and what kind of stuff they're up to. And, and then, uh, and also just fine tuning exactly like what to pack, what to have in my bag. I mean, every year I'm always still changing it, but I definitely fine tuned it quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, my first successful sheep hunt, um, we kind of called it a solo sheep hunt for the episode, but technically I had a cameraman with me, so it wasn't full solo. Mm -hmm. The reason we called it solo, it was, it was unguided. Uh, I was with a cameraman who had done some whitetail and some black bear hunting, um, but like day trips, that kind of thing. So no sheep experience. So it was very much on my shoulders. Um, then yeah, we went up in the hills and I mean, you're always going to be hungry in sheep country, <laughs> but I definitely fine tuned my, uh, my, my meals a lot more by then. I kind of typically go anywhere between 30, 35 to 3,700 and some days up to like 4,200 calories a day. I've definitely fine tuned Jesus. how I, that's a lot of calories. I still lose like 15 to 20 pounds on a trip, man. Like it's just when you're I my size, I mean, I'm during hunting season, I'm 260 to 270. Right. And, uh, I'm packing a lot of all of my gear weighs more because it's got to fit over my body. So everything I pack weighs yeah. a lot more. I typically carry a little extra gear to help balance out for my camera guys. Cause they have batteries and camera gear and stuff. So, um, and probably not as much time in the field as I do. So I'll, I'll take on extra gear. So, I mean, you're burning a lot of calories up there and, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my first successful trip, we went up there, we were feeling really confident, got into the area and, um, yeah, like the first probably five days we, we saw a few young rams, not much for using lambs, like basically nothing, some goats and, uh, found some old camps, like some camps from like the week before. And I was really feeling like, okay, this area must've been hunted out or shot out. And then, um, one morning we woke up and got lucky. I was going down for some water and spotted a group of rams and, um, long story short, I won't bore you with the details, but yeah, we, we spent about, we spotted a group of rams that I thought might be promising and spent some time got above them. And, um, yeah, I, I, all the rams we had seen that were close on age were way back, um, on curl. And I had heard going into the area for, from some people that had hunted it, that chances are in this area, you're going to shoot a ram based on age, not curl because the, the rams in the area apparently weren't known for reaching full curl. They, they, they had short growth, low slung. And, uh, yeah. we were above a group of rams that we had snuck in on. And I was trying to age one that had his head up and there was another one that looked interesting and his head was down. And then all of a sudden he woke up from his nap and I looked at him and he was like an inch and a half to two inches past his nose. And right away without hesitation, I just thought, holy heck, everything else has been close on age way back, put the gun on him, pulled the trigger, poof, down he went. Um, and that was the one, I mean, it did cause a bit of controversy, if you will. He was fully legal, well past the nose, but he was a younger ram, right? He was six, just over six, right? So at that time, you're technically six and a half, but whatever. Um, so it was unfortunate to take a younger ram like that, but still well past legal. I was still proud as could be on a, on a legal ram on that. But I learned a lot with regards to um, even if even if they are legal, you know, depending on what your standards or what you're trying to accomplish, it, it if, if it's not a rush shot, it always pays to take a little bit more time and, and study them a little bit more. Um, 
So yeah, and that pack out was an absolute freaking nightmare. But we got that ram out of there, and uh, yeah, that was that was an amazing hunt. Like we were right down at the end. We were get we were running out of food. We were starting to ration our food, eat just little bits, and we were actually going off the day before. And that day too, we were planning on going out. I was going to try and shoot a goat just so we'd have food to stay up longer because I wasn't going to leave until we got something. So I was like, I got a goat tag in my pocket. We're going to go crush a belly and store the meat in the rocks until we can get a ram. Um, and then it just so happened that I spotted these sheep while I was grabbing some water from a, a water source. Um, but yeah, so that, that happened. And then the next year, um, my plan was actually to go uh, hunting Callies on the Fraser. And I was up north on a caribou hunt. And, um, we went into an area and I was seeing nothing but wolves, like just tons and tons of wolves in this one area. And, uh, I was getting kind of disappointed and, and, and upset. So then I figured, well, like these wolves had a system, they were hunting the entire Valley, this entire like migratory Valley. So I figured, okay, well, we got to push up and out of here and, and maybe the caribou will be flowing through a different Valley. So we just started hiking and got into some aggressive new areas and my cameraman blew his leg. So <laughs> left him back at camp. And then that the morning I woke up and I was like, I just got to get out of here and started hiking and went way back in. Um, I actually shot a wolf on the way in that day. One of the, pulled one of the wolves out of that pack, howled it in and blasted it in 933 yards. <laughs> it was a bit of a poke, but nice. on a wolf, you don't, you're not too hesitant doing that. And uh, yeah, then I just, put her in beefer butt boogie headed up and and came across the ram in a new area that I was pushing to I just got lucky because it's not an area that they would typically spend a lot of time I think they were migratory migrating through there and uh it was a bit of a haywire process but I managed to get in a position snuck in I could tell he was like a heavy ram deep well past full curl but this time I wasn't going to take the chance and shoot uh, a younger ram i knew at that point I wanted to make sure he was eight or more. So I, I closed in on him and was able to get the spotter on him and confirm he was eight or more and well past full curl. And that's the ram I took the second time. So definitely I'd say with sheep, it's one of those ones where every time you get one, you go, okay, next one, I want it to be a little bit better. It's like that constantly moving yeah. bar where it's, you're not there for a meat hunt, right? Like it's not like a local blacktail hunt where you're like, ah, if I don't see a monster after a week, I'm just going to smash a two point or a three point. Like with Rams, it's like the biggest part for me is just being in that country and watching the animals. And if you now, if you happen to see one that's, you know, makes your heart flutter, then you get set up behind the gun and pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, man. Like when you got your first yeah. Ram, we seen that. And, you know, if that was me in that situation, I've done the same thing. Like there, there's no, I don't think there's any beef at all there. Like, your first ram, it's legal, it's legal, put a tag on it, right? And I, I agree with you after that. It's okay, let's look for one a bit better, one a bit better after that. And I don't I don't oh, want to yeah. go to someone's house and see twenty stone sheep on the wall and they're all seven and eight. I want to see like six this is my first six. ram and then this is my last ram and it's just a fucking cranker, right? Like that's that that incline that goes up, right? And uh yeah, I mean for me personally, I, I was I was disappointed when I walked up on the ram just based on age. Um, but again, it's, I think it's given my, my role. A lot of people um, expect you to be kind of that, that hold yourself to a different standard. And for me personally too, I just knew that I wanted my first ram to be older. 
Um, and, and I think the biggest part for me is I didn't realize it was at it, that age because I didn't take the time to ID it. Mm-hmm. If I had ID'd it and it was still a huge ram and well passed and I knew it was six and I pulled the trigger, that would have been my decision. But the, the tough part for me to accept is the fact that I made a snap decision and I didn't, I didn't assess the whole situation. So for me, it's just frustrating in that sense that I'm like, yeah, I probably should have taken a bit more time, but to be I mean, perfectly it's... honest, um, who knows, maybe I still would have pulled the trigger. Yeah. I mean, it's like what Kurt said, it's, we had literally just talked about young Rams being killed and stuff just on the last, last podcast. Like we talked to Omer and Kyle about the sheep show uh, dove into a lot of good topics there and then yeah just coming out of it was like talking about aging and legality and the illegal rams you know being killed still mm-hmm. and i really like that you kind of came to this everyone that gets this deep into the sheep world i think came this passionate about it comes to that realization and what we were saying in the last episode which is basically exactly what you're saying is like I wish I would have waited. And like we were saying to like encourage that to the new hunters, yeah. like don't punish someone. Like you said, like you kind of got ostracized, man. You got a little bit of grief over it, but we need to be better as a group to say like, yeah, that was your first one. And then that someone should have pulled Joe aside and been like, Hey Joe and Steve probably did. Like, I don't like knowing just who Steve is. He probably was like, Hey Joe, next one can't be that old you know and just play that like team leadership type roles with these guys and yeah and, and that should be the standard like eight or better eight or greater in the future for right? me for so, me and my like for me i i just automatically before i even got off the mountain i knew that my next ram there we go welcome to the club uh but <laughs> right away i knew like my next ram this is just one of those things that will never leave your mind i knew right away like i will never shoot another ram without a hundred percent confirming age um, if at all possible. Right. So, um, I will say though, if anyone's ever out there and they're like, if you're going to shoot a Ram and you're not hundred percent confident, shoot a Ram that's a full curl that might be seven over a Ram that's not full curl that might be seven, right? Like if you, if you're not really good at, at aging a Ram and don't shoot one, like, I think it's eight but it's not full curl. Yeah. It's better to shoot one that's full curl. Like that's a hundred percent guaranteed legal. That's the easiest way for novice hunters. If it's full curl, it's full curl, you know, and make sure you get a good look at it. Uh, one of the best things for that is having those spotter adapters, put your phone on the mm-hmm. spotter, go back. Cause you can film for five minutes around moving. And then it twists his head certain ways. Cause sometimes you're looking like, Oh, well past legal. And then it moves again. And you're like, Oh shit, he's two inches short. Because it can change so much. It's very rare that you're perfectly level with them and you get like this horizontal view of their head. So if you can film them, because sometimes you just get a split second look and you can freeze frame that, take a picture. You can count annuli typically and you can check full curl really good. So um, that's one of the biggest things I'd say for anybody that wants to get into sheep hunting is pick up. I don't care which one you use. I don't have any partners in that. I use an all-in. I've used a scope cam adapter. I've used phone scope. Um all is the best one that I've the quickest one for me right now, but that's probably one of the biggest cheat codes to feel confident when you're pulling the trigger on cheat. That's it's funny. You say that because well, Devin, you can talk about it, but we got a little something for the sheep show. And that's, that's exactly what we were talking about the other day. Yeah. So after the last episode, um, 
I wasn't happy and neither with just with Kyle, you could tell he was disappointed to give me the answer because I asked the question, was it getting better? Like, is there less illegal rams being killed because of the last three years of horn aging seminars? And he was like, I wish uh, it got a little better. It got a little worse this year. And and I was like, fuck, eh? like every, that sucks. So after the episode, I, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm like, man, we got to like Kurt and I aren't experts either. Joe's not an expert in stone sheep hunting, but we have experience. And I, I wanted to lend, you're lending some of your time volunteering and doing a, we'll talk about that later on the episode of the mountain hunting. You got a seminar that you're speaking at, which we're looking forward to. Well, I, Kurt and I go there and we get pissed off, right? We hang out at Omer's booth. We Perfect. bullshit with everyone and we're still going to do that. It's fun. But I don't have the kind of money to donate guns or raffles or anything or those types of things. And I was like, I want to help out more. I'm not, I'm not going to be a director. I am a member. And I was like, man, when we go there, when we go to the horn aging seminar to see what it's all about, it's really hard to, for them to show people what it's actually like to age a ram through a scope. So then I said to Kurt, we should talk to Omer about getting all of his spotters, all the different brands set up outside. We'll bring our sheep mounts and we'll ask the Wild Sheep Society of BC to let us use some of the deadheads. And we're going to, so we're planning on setting up hopefully a minimum of 300 yards away. We're hoping to hit the golf course across the way or find something in that five to 800 yard range and do a live glass viewing and compare spotting scopes and bring the Olins mm-hmm. and bring that and show exactly what you're saying. I'm going to bring my booth Bluetooth button for, you know, capturing without vibrating. That's a huge thing. Like instead of tapping your phone, taking pictures, yeah. you just hit the button. So yeah. So, I mean, like you should definitely, keep an eye out for that on Friday and Saturday and, and come by and lend what you know too. Cause that's what we really want about it. This isn't Kurt and I are saying, well, we know what we're talking about. It's, this is how we do it. Come over and show us how you do it and how, and what you guys have learned and different angles and tricks. So yeah, that's a, it's exactly what we're thinking is like show these new hunters, the older ones that don't want to use technology because they think it's cheating. It's like, fuck cheating let's just get legal let's hit eight-year-olds that's the the thing for me that's exactly it like my ram this year i was in so i chased him in or i went into position i was like 436 yards and there was four rams in the group three of the rams were bedded in the open and of course my ram was bedded behind a boulder and i could see the top of his horn and his lamb tip sticking out for I can't remember if it was like two or three, however many hours I'm stuck there skylined. One of the Rams was staring in my direction, so I couldn't move and I couldn't get into a different position to look at him. At one point in time, he got up, the the smallest Ram moved and tried to bed down right next to him. And he got up, dropped his head, ran that smaller Ram off and then went back and bed down behind his rock. At that point, because I was filming through my phone, all I, all I do typically is I'll, I'll, put it into focus. And then all I do is I just click the record and then I let it film. And then I can go back and freeze frame afterwards. I looked at the clip mm-hmm. and it was just over five seconds. And in that I was able to grab multiple freeze frames, obviously confirmed that he was past full curl and then confirmed that he was over eight. So um, like those little things, it, it helps, right? It gains you that confidence. So that way, when you do get your shot, but that was five and a half seconds through a spotter and that's and then it was still a few more hours before he stood up again so you can imagine like in my opinion it's invaluable to have that confidence because you never know what's going to happen when they stand up if they're going to take off what's going to go on 
So it's not about cheating, um, especially in a day and age like right now where sheep hunting is gaining popularity. People want to put their hands on them. So giving giving yourself that confidence and making sure if you're pulling a ram, it's a legal ram. Like first and foremost, a legal ram. Secondly, it's a ram up to the standards you've set for yourself. So I think the biggest thing out of the gates is legal, legal, legal. And then after that, does it meet your standards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really cool thing though. I, I, I want to come out and check that out. I haven't heard about that. I was just chatting with Kyle like two days ago and the bugger never told me anything about it. So if it happens, I want to be there. Well, it's, it's very fresh. So like we, we got approval from him. We, you know, made sure Omer was happy with it. And yeah, so we're going to promote it here. They're going to kind of add, it's not part of the mountain hunting university, but it kind of is, it's going to be a little side thing. We hope that the horn aging seminar will kind of just explain, go out there. There's going to be like a, a glassing, you know, setup, and, you know, the guys will just walk you through, see why good glass is important. Mm-hmm. You know, why putting 15 power binos on a tripod is important. You know, all those things. Like I, I watched enough, pretty much all the sheep hunting videos on YouTube from BC, uh, whether it's this time of year or leading up to sheep hunts, I just like to get the, I like to watch them because it, you know, gets me excited for my hunts. And I hate when I see someone leaning like, sitting there like glassing with 10 powers i'm like are you guys fucking kidding me will you put it on a goddamn tripod already like it's so it's painful but i mean the other thing too for a lot of people is it's really easy when you're sitting at home and you're looking on your computer or you're looking on your phone and scrolling instagram and all these little quizzes pop up and can you tell this ram how old is it it's easy i found it's easy in those moments to kind of judge it right but when you're in the field and split second decisions and pressures on and all these things are going on. You're, you're in a calorie deficit. You're tired. You've been pushing hard. You're, I mean, shit, how many times have you been in the bush and convinced yourself that a stump was a black bear or like a branch was a freaking blacktail, you know, like your mind plays tricks on you in the field. That just happens when you're out there. So if you can get practice, like what you guys are talking about, that's awesome. And I mean, one of the biggest things that led to my confidence in the field was a lot of my failed hunts, just spending time, staring at sheep in the spotter in different times like rams that you know aren't legal and just like ah, i'm just gonna watch it yeah yeah, yeah that's it, it's it's pretty cool like i don't know like just getting your first ram following it up with a like the next step everything like that doing everything right man it's it's Look cool great. there is he can you see him oh yeah nice yeah oh fuck. there's that guy and then so my my most recent Ram's going to be at the show. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he'll be there. John, yeah. John of Airpaws finishing him up right now. So he should be there. I'm pretty excited about that. Sweet. Yeah. We're bringing ours. They were, well, they put out that request. If anyone wanted to bring Ram's and I messaged Kurt, I'm like, fuck, we can bring ours. Like if they're looking for, cause why not? Like, it's not about bragging. It's about showing. I love seeing different sheep, man. Like, I mean, we get lucky. We, we have, Kurt's best friend is Johnny Nykirk. So you go into that fucking guy's house and it's like, oh my God, look at those fucking rams. So, but I love it. It doesn't have to be big. It's just different. Kurt's got a really unique ram. The first one we got together and uh, yeah, it's sweet. So it's just, and that's good. That's good to show. Like that's actually a really good example that we're going to have at our, the glassing thing is Kurt's got like a, well, what the, they didn't even end up giving it full age, but the guy we, the, ci guy was like i think this is a 12 year old you know i remember him saying that so it's like 
much, but it has three quarter curl because this fucking 12 year old rubbed his horns against shit for so many years. So like, that's a really cool, unique Ram to have and put out there at 500 yards. No, absolutely. That'd be perfect to see those. And again, yeah, it helps everybody for when you're sitting there looking through the glass and practicing. I mean, for anybody that wants to get into it, stuff like that's invaluable. I mean, even if you just, I mean, shit, go to, go to Lillooet during the winter and class those rams in the fields like you can just put time in and go places and enjoy it it doesn't have to be during hunting season when the pressure's on you can go places and look at these animals during the off season and practice right every time i head to the coast i throw my spotter in the truck and we always stop at spence's bridge and like i'm surprised i haven't got an accident coming down that hill because i'm not looking at the road i'm just looking up at the hillside there and doing one of these all over the place the wife's yelling at me to fucking watch the road there's times where i've got out let her drive and i'm sitting in the passenger looking at the fucking hills and if i see rams man i'm like pull over and we sit there throw the tripod up and just get a little bit of phone scope footage of them and, yeah. and you just watch them do their thing right and and then like looking at i've i've have never gone bighorn hunting but gone stone sheep hunting looked at a few of those and you look at bighorn it's it's a totally different fucking animal like they're they're monsters right so it's it, it the more time that you can spend behind the glass looking at sheep, even if it's lambs and ewes, you're going to benefit from it. doesn't matter what, I don't know. It just, yeah, you're going to benefit from it is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. It's You learn a lot about the animals, their behaviors, and, and yeah, how to age and correctly make those things so you can minimize the opportunity for mistakes to happen. So, For sure. Yeah, right on. I mean, yeah, that I was gonna give you props. I really like. I was looking at your second stone sheep recently, and fuck, he's fuck, he's nice. He's just got that deep like mass the whole way down. That's I don't know. Like you always have. Like everyone has. Like some guys really love the twisters. Other guys really like broomed or flare. And like when they carry their mask low like that, I mean, I I really like that. Like anytime they just have it deep down in there, it always looks. Yeah, he was. uh, I was. I was shocked. I was completely shocked to find that ram in that area and the body size on him. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys know how good stone sheep meat is. Like I said earlier that sheep hunting is not a meat hunt, but it is the, like the best, if not like one of the best, if not the best meat you'll ever drag off a mountain. And he was so fat and so big, like his body size compared to the other rams, he was at least another 20 to 30% larger than them. Um, like he was just a freak and dark cape, beautiful golden horn nice curl i i think the one of the biggest things that maybe takes so long to confirm that he was legal is i just didn't believe that he was in front of me he was just such a just such a handsome ram and i i wasn't expecting to see him there so i got really fortunate um but again it's one of those things right like time in the field that's how you get lucky so yeah 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 well i gotta i gotta since we were on your hunts before we go into anything else I mean, uh, we're alcoholics and, um, I got it. You got to tell the story. You went on a guided elk hunt a few years yep. back and you killed a fucking hammer. So that thing was a- I, I don't care. I don't want to judge guide or anything like that. I just want to hear the hunt with like how it all played out. And when you go on guide, I guess that's the other thing. I've never been on a guided hunt. Um, not saying I won't because you never know in mm-hmm. life. And what is that like when you're like a hunter that wants to do it kind of the, yourself. Cause I'm assuming that's kind of your play going into it. I'm like, you're, you're getting guided so you can get into that area, yeah. 
but I don't, it's not that you need it. So give us kind of the rundown. It was also a horseback trip, it, if I remember. So like, I wanted to hear it. It was a hunt. horseback trip. Yeah. So it was a really cool hunt and it was guided. But at the same time, the guide was my good hunting buddy that I had helped get a guiding job with this outfitter. So the same buddy we talked last time, I was on the podcast about my first stone sheep hunt, Kyle Burrett. So Kyle had quit his job. He was a heavy duty mechanic for a, a highway construction company. And he was working his way up really well at the company and just called me one day. He's like, I'm done. I'm quitting my job. And he was just about to take like the highest position in his role. He said, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to guiding school. And I told him he was a fucking idiot. That was the first thing I said to him. <laughs> but, but after that, I said, if you do this, I'm going to work my ass off to try and help you accomplish whatever you want to do. And he, his goal was he was taking his course and then he was going to start with an outfit somewhere down south and hopefully work his way up so he could eventually work with an outfitter that had sheep tags. And um, somehow through the grapevine that year, and I've spent a lot of time in the bush with Kyle, and I know he's a very uh, skilled hunter, like just very confident guy in the bush, and I'd, I'd send him out there with anybody. So, um, And I was chatting with a gentleman up north that had just purchased this one area, and he said he was looking for for guides. And I was like, I got a guy for you. He's competent. He's skilled. He's educated. Like he's, he's who you need. And he ended up hiring Kyle. And during the process, we're still kind of in COVID. And uh, I was chatting with Aaron, and he was talking about, you know, what my goals were for the year. And I said, you know, these are some species I want to – get after well the, at first it was a caribou i was going up for and then they ended up giving up their caribou allocation um to keep some stuff going on with the wolves and to help out the caribou in the area so we pivoted for a moose and an elk and uh so i was flying in flying hunt we got horses guided but the guide is like my hunting buddy that i've been hunting with for i don't know how long so i showed up and i was kind of giving him shit because i was like dude, you got to wake up in the morning and make me my breakfast. Like you gotta make my breakfast, you got to freaking rig up my horse and you got to do all of that shit. But after that, like, it was like hunt with my buddy. Like we're going to, he's showing me some of the areas he's been up there cutting trail and running some of the country. But other than that, it was two buddies hunting that just happened to be, he was in a guide position with that outfitter and I was up there as a hunter. Um, so it was probably a pretty unique type setup for a guide hunter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely took full advantage. I was like, bro, I like, this is how I like my eggs in the morning. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> but, but other than that, other than that, it was, it was pretty much a standard hunt, but I went up early. I kept my original time that I was supposed to go up for early caribou. And, uh, we figured, you know what, we'll be up high. We'll glass. We should come across an elk or a moose or, you know, have some success. And I actually came back empty handed. We had seen some good elk, um, had an opportunity. I actually blew a shot, full disclosure, um, on an elk that he showed himself. We were waiting for Kyle because it is a guided hunt. I'm supposed to wait for him to, to ID its age. I mean, make sure it's legal six. And I had put it in the spot. I was like hundred percent six, but he was doing some calling and had to get on a spotter and confirm. So I waited and I had it ranged, had my scope dialed. And then the elk came in the open, then disappeared and then showed up in another clearing I quickly made a split shot decision. I was like, I think it's about the same distance, pulled the trigger. It was like 120, 130 yards farther or more. Um, missed the shot, boneheaded mistake, went home empty handed. Then as soon as I got home, they called me and they're like, dude, we got some more openings. You're coming back up. 
went back up there on the second trip. I ended up getting my moose, like this big pig that's behind me here and that elk. And it was fortunate because I had been up there earlier. We had been scouting. We knew where all the cow moose were hanging out and we knew where all the cow elk were hanging out. So I was like, dude, we know exactly where we're going because that's where the bulls are going to be. Day one, we spotted this moose. We went in, we ended up finding him and connected on day five with him. And then uh, we could have shot him day one or day two, but uh, we were going to run out of camera light. So I, we held off and waited. And then um, after that, I was like, okay, well, we know where we're going to check out for some elk. And um, yeah, we went into the one area. It was a slow start. One of our horses got away. We jumped off the horses and one of them kind of pulled the tree over that it was tied to and went running off. And it was just a complete shit show of a day. And I was like, this is a waste. I'm giving Kyle shit and ribbing him, but we're laughing because we already had moose on the ground. And then we went and checked one more spot for that day and Kyle ripped a bugle. And as soon as he ripped a bugle, we saw this elk come charging out of the trees across where we knew there had been some cows and Kyle and I both agreed there's got to be a big bull in there. And he came charging out. And as soon as he came charging out, we kind of just both went, Oh shit. Like this, this bull means business. Um, but then he went, we waited and he went bedded behind a tree. So we quickly closed the distance as much as we could got set up. And yeah, when he got up, dumped him, and he ended up going, 330 yeah 332 so that's it's not too darn shabby <laughs> I, I remember watching your instagram when you were on those hunts and then we seen the moose and devin and i were chit-chatting about it and then we seen the elk we're like holy fuck man this guy's stacking them up yeah. and then we went into reconnaissance reconnaissance mode trying to figure out where you were <laughs> we're analyzing the mountains yeah, I, I... I definitely made sure none of the pictures that went out had my location service on it i'll you that for free yeah, we were we were yeah, looking okay. and I'm like I think we were in the same area, but I'm not too sure yet. But yeah, it was funny. We were yeah. fucking looking at all the pictures. Ah, this looks like that mountain range. This looks like that mountain range. But yeah, man, <laughs> that was that looked like a fucking amazing trip. Oh, it was it was a great trip. I mean, um, you know, how many times do you get a chance to go run around the hills like that? And I mean, like I said, my guide was a very close butt of mine that I've been hunting with for a long time, so it didn't feel like a quote unquote guided hunt. It was just, it was like some outfitter told you and your buddy, hey, we got a bunch of horses. Why don't you guys go run around the hills for a while? So we were screwing around, having fun. And yeah, that that elk that year, I think he was one of the top bulls drug out of north northern BC that year. So Nice. Yeah, that, they looked like a good one. Was it a long shot on that one, Joe? Yeah, that was 485, I think. So that was a poke yeah. for sure. Yeah, what gun do you take? What gun did you take on a, a moose elk combo like Dude, that? So that's the you want to talk about being an an idiot. Well, I had my six five man bun with me. Oh no way! Oh so fuck! It was the gun I had that year. I was shooting a six five that year based on my original hunt plans, and uh, I told Kyle, I was like, "We're not going to stretch it out." I was very confident. I I've shot that gun out to like fourteen hundred yards. Felt very good with it, and. Um, yeah, it's a, like the ELDX tips, they do devastating damage. Like my moose hammered, dropped. Um, like that was a great, it did really well on him. The thing with the 6.5 is if you're 100% confident in your shot, it's a, it can be great, but it's very, very minimal shot forgiveness. And that's one thing I've learned with that gun is there's very minimal shot forgiveness. Now this year, my next build, I did a 300 PRC. 
I can tell you this year, our, boy. when our video boy, just wait. It's it's almost to the point, I'll be perfectly honest, it's almost to the point where it's kind of like I pull the trigger and everything hit the dirt in its tracks this year. Like my caribou took, I think, four or five steps and then fell backwards. Other than that, every single thing, when I pulled the trigger, the nose hit the dirt. Like face plant, dead on the spot, never kicked again. So... 300 PRC is the cheat code for sure. If you want to get some and not terrible meat damage either. I was surprised. They, they fucking hit hard, man. Like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, it blew me away the first time I pulled the trigger and I love shooting that gun too. It cuts the wind so nice. Um, like it's just such a good round for, for feeling confident downrange. So that way, if it's a shorter shot, you just a hundred percent confident in it. But yeah, when you pull the trigger, if you're confident in your shot, stuff's hitting the dirt, like guaranteed. We usually give the six five guys a lot of grief over the over the three years we've been doing this, but we'll we'll give you a pass this time just because you're six foot ten. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I and I I give him grief when he can't reach I, at I me. I played pull football for my career, man. I can take a beating. You guys don't hold any punches yeah. on my on my court. <laughs> well, at least you uh, manned up and you weren't like, oh, maybe I'll do like a. Uh, I'll do a 280 this next gun, and then maybe I'll do a seven mil. You're like fuck it, 300 PRC. So you redeemed, <laughs> redeemed. No, uh, yeah. I mean, I put a lot of animals on the ground with that six five. I got to say, I did a lot of good shooting with it. But absolutely, one thing I learned is it's like you got to be on the money, 100 percent confident in your shot. You got to be very patient. Yeah. Wait for those like clean broadside, no obstruction, minimal wind. Like you got to be in there, 300 PRC you can get away you can get away with stuff you're you pounding through push brush buster yeah, yeah brush buster yeah. fucking elk actually man i hit my elk this year at fucking 15 feet frontal Ooh. with a 200 grain fucking lrx out of my prc and that thing still ran 40 yards but at that distance i probably was trying to come out the asshole but damn my my bull this year yeah. when i pulled the trigger it was 535 I ended up taking some long folks this year just based on the the landscapes that we were hunting in, but pulled the trigger and on impact, his back legs came up and kicked him in the stomach and he just hit the dirt and rolled, never moved another muscle, found him piled up, rack tangled in the bush, right where he went. It was ridiculous. Suitcased him, folded him up, eh? Oh, nice. I, you know what's funny is I was kind of hoping he was up on this nasty hill and I was kind of hoping I'd plug him and, you know, run a bit and then slide down because there was a nice kind of level spot below. And but no, of course, he piled up right there and caught the first tree. <laughs> like, great. Now we got to get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I got to ask before we move on too far, we, we grew up farming and, and riding horses and stuff when you showed up at the guide camp with horses were they like i don't know if we got enough leather to get these legs in the stirrups i uh i had to get creative i had to ride with uh, pretty bent knees for a bit and then we started figuring out what we could use in the tack shop to kind of set up some rigs but some of the horses you ride too are shorter and one thing i found yeah. is i am not made to be on horses period like it doesn't matter i'm on a shorter horse my feet are dragging on the ground and i'm hitting all the stumps if I'm on a medium top, taller horse, I'm hitting every branch, even if it's a freshly cleared trail. And I could be the sixth guy in a pack string and I'm still catching spider webs. Like, I'm just not, I'm just not made to be on a horse. I'm supposed to hunt on foot. I figured that out quick. 
yeah. I was pick, trying to picture it in my head. I'm like, Joe's going to make small horses look like fucking donkeys. And yeah, he's going to be knocking branches. And that's just it, wild. It was yeah. brutal. It was, yeah, because they'd be like, oh, we man, like we cut this one trail. It's so clean. It's beautiful. And it was clean up to like my collarbone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just eating bow after bow the whole day and trying to break them. And I'm like, Oh man, this is a nightmare. Did you, have you spent time on horses prior to that? Or was that kind of your first? Uh, like a little bit. I like a few times when I was a kid and then I did one, um, whitetail hunt in Manitoba where we'd hunt. Um, it was actually really cool hunting the duck mountains of Manitoba and you'd ride for like an hour and a half each morning, but like flat trail ride, like flat. There's, 10, 10 yards cut on either side of your horse trail there. So nothing, nothing like what we were doing up North when you're pushing off trail and going in some of those steep climbs and stuff for going into squirrely country. We had some, we had some haywire nights there too, where we got stuck in storms and, you know, we were riding one Ridge one day and all of a sudden we got caught in like this combination of these crosswinds. And as we're, of course, as we're riding like this sleet storm started hitting and the horses started rearing up. And the Wrangler took off one way. Kyle went forward and like, all you're doing is you're like, just trying to hold on to your horse, get it to smarten up. And it's trying to spin in circles and doesn't know what it wants to do. And yeah, that one was a haywire night. We ended up getting back at like two 30 or three in the morning, I think. Well, at least but, for you, you probably could just put your feet on the ground and grab that horse by the fucking neck and just choked it out right there. Yeah. I just picked it up, put it on my back. Yeah. And we got off the ridge. <laughs> I said, okay, let's switch again. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny yeah. oh, well that's good that's pretty pretty unreal um couple of years you had and, and those sound like great hunts so kind of twofold i mean do you i think i asked you this last time but going forward are you only setting up hunts with the edge do you do your own personal hunts still are you trying to film all of it has that changed now that you've been a host for three years and and what's this year looking like for for hunt lineup for you? Um, that's a lot of questions. Let's see if I can answer them all. Um, yeah. No, let's go to go to the first, first one. one. Do you do you set up? Uh, I, yeah, do you set up your own hunts by yourself and the TV yeah, show? Yeah, absolutely. I still do hunts on my own. Um, the hunts for the show are awesome. I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot more. I feel a lot more comfortable being out there doing all of that. It doesn't seem as out of place being there with the camera guy, but. Um, one of my biggest passions is solo. Like I love hunting on my own still. I love being in the bush away from everybody off on my own, doing my own thing. So still to this day, I'll come home from a hunt. And sometimes if it's a stressful hunt or something, my wife will look at me and be like, you need to go hunting. And I'll come back from filming an episode. And she's like, you got to go in the bush, go away for a day or two on your own and come back home. And when you're kind of leveled out. So I still hunt on my own. Um, I still like doing those, just like get out with buds, get out on my own. I try and get my wife out hunting, try and get junior out. He's been out on quite a few hunts and those ones haven't been as successful for some reason, but there's a lot of joking around and having fun, which is just as important, if not more important. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I spend a ton of time. Like if I'm not filming, I'm probably out there at least doing some sort of hunt on my own without cameras. Like my big black tail this year, didn't film it. That was just a soul, like just for me. Um, so I do a lot of that. Then what was the next question there? Remind me. Uh, well, I'm forgetting now too. Fuck. I asked too many. Um, it was more like 
what's the show got lined up this year? Is there some is there some big ones? Are you allowed to release stuff yeah. to the outside world? If not, it's all yeah, good. we can talk kind of what's on the docket. Um, yeah, I should pull up my hunt schedule yet in front of me. The next big one. So I'm actually going. Well, I'm going to Hawaii on the fourth to the eleventh. I'm going to try and sneak in a personal access deer hunt while I'm down there if I can get away. We'll see if the wife lets me out, but my bow will definitely be there, and I've made. Maybe I got my Hawaii hunting license last week. We'll see. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I definitely planned that one out. And then uh, in April, we're heading down to New Zealand. That's going to be a big bucket lister. Um, New Zealand stag. And then if we can, squeeze it in, try and get up for a tar as well while we're down there. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's one I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. And uh yeah, as the season progresses, I've got a few. I'm going to try and get out to Haida Gwaii and finally do a Sitka blacktail hunt over there. I uh, really want to do that one. Um, won't be going for stones this year. I'm going to give stones a rest, but probably do some... We'll, we'll see what happens when the new regulations come out, what's open basically for Cali's or Rockies. But ideally, I'd like to put some time in staring at some different sheep. Um, elk, again... Uh, and one big one I, I really want to try and do that I'm going to try and film, which could be challenging, is I really want to do archery goat this year. Um, so that's one I, I personally want to do. So that's kind of my individual challenge. You, with archery goat, do you try to hit LEH or do you go north for open or what's your strategy there? Um, there's There's a few options there. I mean, there's some open spots down here around us that I'll probably do some scouting on. Um, I'll definitely put in LEH and that, that would be like my, if I hit LEH, that's going to be where I focus. Otherwise assess what my best chances are. Probably go up North and do an open hunt, um, hike for two, three days, get into somewhere that there's probably not as much pressure because for archery, you got to get in nice and tight. So, um, that, that's probably what will happen if I don't hit LEH, I'll just go up North and put a lot of miles on and see if I can get close to something that'll be stupid enough for a Sasquatch looking prick to get close enough to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You got any of those hunts of you and Steve going together or those just your hunts? Uh, Steve and I will be uh, in New Zealand together. So that one we're going to do together. Um, And then, it's funny, I was planning out Haida Gwaii and I was talking with Steve about it. He's like, oh, I'm going to Haida Gwaii too. I'm going to do some fishing and do a Sitka Blacktail hunt. So we're probably going to try and overlap there a little bit. We might still do our own hunts, but um, we'll definitely link up while we're there. We might do our own hunts and then fish together, or we might do a, a day or two of the hunt together. We'll see what kind of happens. But Steve, like it, it's one of those things that it, it sounds fun to try and do a bunch of hunts together, but we're both just so stinking busy that it gets challenging for us to actually line our schedules up and get in the bush together. So, you know, if we can do, you know, anywhere from one to three hunts a year together, that's, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed your guys' blacktail hunt that I seen. It must've come out this fall, I guess from last year, but yeah, yeah. That, that was a pretty funny hunt to watch where he was just like, I'm going blacktail hunting. He didn't know nothing about it. And even oh. I just, when you jumped out, you're like, that's a fucking good one. Like, shoot that thing man dude i was so we're coming back and we had like at that point it was challenging and he's he just wanted a blacktail so we could check it off the list and i told him i was like man blacktail hunting like if you're here for a week there's no guarantees like if you get a good like a mature 
good two point or like a nice three, like smack it, man. Like you gotta, you gotta get something on the ground here. There's no guarantees for blacktail and like we're, yeah. And then all of a sudden we're going along and we had seen that one on camera. I was like, this is your target buck. If we get eyes on it. And then we're coming out for the day or we're going to a different spot and Steve's on the quad ahead of me and I'm coming along and, and the camera guy's on the back of my quad and the camera goes, Hey, there's a doe right there. And I look up and I never saw the doe. I just saw this hammer standing in the trees. Like, and I go, Holy shit. Like hit the brakes, jump off. I'm like, what, what do I do? Steve's far ahead of me on the quad. My guns right. Like, do I grab my gun? Like, this is a freaking dandy buck. So I'm sitting there like Steve, Steve. And they're on a quad who knows how far. And then finally, Steve and I just screamed at him they stopped and this buck was so glued to that doe he didn't booger off and we were able to like scramble and I yeah it came together it was unbelievable um and one thing I don't know if we mentioned in the show or not Steve and I were absolutely crippled with COVID like sometimes you get COVID it's not bad like I mean couldn't sleep at night could barely breathe felt like I had been hit by a truck the whole time. And like some of the shots, you can tell I look like pasty green. And I mean, I was sick as a freaking dog that entire hunt. Like it was absolutely miserable, but we were still having fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good episode yeah, to watch, man. I wouldn't would not want to do that. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah. yeah thanks. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it because it absolutely sucked to film. <laughs> well, when you do it, when you do a permit to a company, you only have a certain date range and we had the cameraman book, like everything was lined. It's like, it's got to happen in this range. And then Steve and I were both like, I mean, one foot in the grave dead. And uh, we're like, all right, you got to do it. You got to have fun. We just got to get up every morning. We woke up and we're just like, Oh, got to do this again. Yep. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Devin and I, we've had that battle too, a few times sick on the mountain and you just like, you got to power through it and, and get it done. It's better than beaver fever. I'll take that over beaver fever for sure. though. <laughs> yeah. Have you had it? I've had it twice. Ooh. And, uh, I will say it's a great weight loss program, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want anybody to be around you cause you're not a pleasant person. No, Fuck. I don't know what I had with you, Devin elk hunting that time, but it was, I don't know, 24 hour flu, man. And Devin's family had it. I went down there for a hunt and we hiked up. I got it on the day, day two, I think. And of course we hiked the whole fucking mountain. And then I started getting wheezy at the other end and like just getting back to the tent was everything I could do. And it was, I don't know, a couple kilometers or something like that, but it was fucking, I didn't think I was going to make it out. That's how bad it was where I was like, I'm fucked. It's coming out every hole that there was an option. It was coming out. It was bad. I just crawled in the tent and, and sweat it out for a day. Yeah. Good for you. And you stuck it out. Well, that's I, the thing, right? You're, yeah, you're in the situation. Good. What are you going to do? You can't pack up and go home. You just got to. He's like, I can't. I I'm like, we should get out of here. It's, we're only like an hour from the truck. He's like, I can't get back to the truck right now. Fuck that. I'm staying in the tent. Like, okay. So I, I sat on the side of the mountain and just, because I was like, I'm not going to go kill an elk. What if he can't even like get out of here? So I was like, I'll just hang out. It was the no cell service, no book, nothing. I'm just like sitting in the fucking bush being like, I I, have a book. That is one thing I always have in my bag now. Yeah. You got to have a book and your, your buddy's got to have a different book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Things I do going in the bush now. 
I, I've never been that fatigued in my life where like, I feel like I've got a pretty strong will where I can power through things and like just to lift my foot up to take the next step was everything I could do. And every log I had to sit on, like it was, I've never experienced anything remotely close to that. And to the point where, yeah, the truck was, I think it's like two and a half hours up to where we're at. And I was like, I can't take another step. And I just, I think I pounded some Tylenol and crawled in my sleeping bag and just had the cold sweats. And then I think the next morning I finally, I think I, it broke and then we hunted the next day, but I was fucking, there was nothing left in me and I was just living off Tylenol basically and barely trying to get any food in me. It was rough. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what they call it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> last time we had you on, we talked a little bit about training and, and whatnot for your hunts and, you at that time were still struggling with getting too big, hitting the gym again. Have you kind of dialed in your fitness to the mountain level now? I mean, you seem like you're staying in a, a I mean, you're 265, but I feel like you're a lean 265 because I remember you saying like you had legs that just build and like it just happens. So have you kind of dialed all that in for your mountain hunts when you before sheep hunts and all this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still, if, if I touch weights, my body still packs on weight really well like really quickly but to be honest i've just i've started setting really aggressive goals with cardio Fuck. So, I, I watch you every morning on instagram man it's boring it sucks but i have to say like it's been one of the biggest improvements for my even just my mental state when you're in the bush when you're in the mountain when you're not fatigued all the time um i started doing a lot of trail running which was great but I, I was getting like knee and ankle problems. So then I started getting into stationary biking, which is probably one of the lamest things you could possibly do oh. for fitness. You know, I sit on a bike and pedal my ass off and go absolutely nowhere. But uh, it's, I got to say, like for strengthening my knees and my ankles, it's been phenomenal. And then when I do run now, my knees and my ankles don't hurt as much. So when I'm in the bush, I've created that stamina. And if, even if it's just like, the ability to deal with the suck of it, or, um, I mean, I'm sure I've increased my lactic acid threshold and things like that, but I have to say like my ability to go and just, I don't do like crazy sprints, but I just, I can go in the bush and I can stay consistent and I can hike. And after those big days, I don't wake up feeling like I got hit by a truck, you know? So I wake up and I'm like, you're going to be tired. You're, you're at a calorie deficit. You're maybe didn't sleep as well it got windy at night and you were wondering about your tent, whatever it is. But if you wake up and your legs and your ankles and your knees don't feel like you got run over, you can go a lot farther, a lot farther and a lot harder the next day. So as much as it sucks and it's really lame and I've never been a guy that loves a lot of cardio, I have to say it's, it's kind of been one of those necessary evils I've come to accept. And, and in doing that, I, I, in a sick way, I guess I enjoy it now. <laughs> so you can tell I really love cardio, but it helps. I hate to say it, it helps. Well, you, you do get the motivation going because when I see you're, you're running at 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning, you do your 5-mile run or whatever it is, and then I see you getting the cold plunge too, and I'm like, one of these days, man, I, I'm going to do that too. One of these days. I'm just waiting for that day to come. But the, the I got a bunch of guys that are doing the cold plunge at work there, and how has that affected your recovery time? You know, I started doing cold plunges back when I was at Washington State. 
Um, so back in my football days, it was like a mandatory when you were leaving the practice field, you had to get in the cold tub to get off the field. Um, and they did a lot of the studies back then about recovery, inflammation. I think I said recently it was about testosterone, but I think it's, it's about HGH production or something, but I, I learned to accept it. <laughs> it's one of those things that are like the first minute and a half to two minutes will always be the worst. After that, you go numb. And the first time you do it after a while sucks, your body does get used to it. It's like anything, right? Um, your body gets faster at contracting the skin. The skin tightens up, shuts down faster, um, stops rushing blood to the surface, and it gets a lot easier. So if you're doing it consistently, it's not as bad as you'd think. But if you've never done it before and you jump in a cold tub, it's the most miserable fucking thing you've ever done in your life. And I've experienced both of those. And I can tell you it's like, if you're going to do it, do it consistently enough that your body gets used to it. Because if you're doing it too intermittently, it's absolutely miserable. Like, just horrible. So, that's that's my bit of advice there. Is Yeah, I do it I do it more in the winter. I don't do it a lot in the summer. I do it mostly in the winter time, every now and then in the summer. But, like, this time of year, what I train harder this time of the year probably. Um, and, yeah, that's when I do it the most. Nice. Well, that's good. well, the the sheep show is coming up in a few weeks from now. And what do you got penciled out for days? Are you going to be there for the the full weekend, or what do you got going on? How long are we going to see? Yeah, you there? I'm I'm there the whole show. I'm bringing my wife and my son actually. Um, so we're going to be there for the full weekend. We're heading down. Uh, we get in on Thursday. Take off on Sunday. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, new venue. It's going to be a lot of fun and. Uh, yeah, I'll be around. We've got a Wild TV booth set up, so I'll be hanging out at the Wild TV booth or at the Kafaru booth with Aaron or, uh, you know, a few of the other booths. I'll be there. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to do two talks, actually. So um, one of the talks is going to be about – it's going to be a bit of a pack dump and just my personal experience and what, what I bring um, and why, like how I kind of – so some of the stuff we've talked about tonight, but I'll be going in depth with some of the – like random gear that I pack and what my mindset is behind it. Some of the experiences that led to me wanting to bring that stuff, you know, if it works for some people, great. If not, every, everybody's got their own stuff, right? Like I've got guys I've hunted together with for years and they pack their bag completely different than me. But based on my experiences, that's why I pack what I do. So hopefully some people can take some stuff away from that and I'll go through that and then we'll do a, a Q and a on that. And then the other day we'll, It'll be interesting to see how people react to it. It's going to be a bit of a kind of open forum conversation about, um, you know, how we as hunters present ourselves in the media, how we as hunters present ourselves on social media. Um, I don't want it to come across as I think I'm perfect because I screw up all the time and, you know, I don't do stuff right, whatever. But it's kind of just an, an open approach because I feel like the opposition they always seem to have such a consistent, I mean, half the time they're, they're lying, let's be honest, but the, the aunties, they have such a strong, consistent message and it's clear across all platforms and there's not infighting and, and that's why they're slowly gaining things. So it's, it's almost, I think it's the time where, you know, we as hunters need to kind of band together and start saying how, you know, whether or not we agree with each other sometimes, you know, whether or not I'm a houndsman, whether or not I just hunt whitetail, whatever it is, like, how can we, as a whole present ourselves better in the media to start communicating 
on those platforms, not just necessarily to other hunters, but communicate to the 70 to 80% of the population that don't know where they sit. Right. And, and how can we start bringing them into the fold and, and give ourselves a better chance? Cause let's be honest, the last few years have not been good for, for hunters and hunters rights. So if we're not careful, um, that's going to con- continue to erode. Right. So maybe we can start digging our heels in and communicate things a little better there. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I look forward to that. I mean, it's a whole new platform this year. We touched on it with Kyle and, and Omer last show and yeah, I mean, it's see, uh, we're going to be there too is Thursday. I think is when we're trying to get, well, I'm definitely there nice. Thursday. I just rebooked the hotel. So um, we'll be there Thursday night and, yeah, toss a few drinks back. And are you? Or here's a question for you: Do you enter the backpack race? Do you have a teammate? I will not be entering the backpack race because I'm. Come I'm, on, I'm that like overly, competitive motherfucker. I'm the Let's go, competitive guy. That if I enter it, I'm going to end up being the guy that's 20 yards from the finish line with my ankle pointing the wrong fucking way. Like that's <laughs> the kind of guy I'm going to be. Like I'm going to do the stupid stuff that's going to risk it, and I'm going to be screwed up. And I'm too old and injured to risk it for that because. I've had too many surgeries. I'm, I'm an old man now. I've beat my body up too bad. Um, I'll leave that to all the young spry guys out there, and I'll sit in the back, and I'll stand next to you guys and have a whiskey while it's all going on and cheer you guys on if you're doing it. Yeah, well, we have to do it. We chirp everyone else that goes to the show. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that'll be good. And then uh, if you do come to my talks, make sure you guys bring a drink or two with you because I can't guarantee it's going to be great, but. You know, if you have a drink or two in your hand, it'll be a lot more entertaining. <laughs> would Would you be more comfortable if we were screaming profanities like football, so that you felt like you know you had like an opposition, you know, to go Abs- against? Absolutely, I might throw a few people around yeah. though. If I just you know, it'll just it'll just click. The switch will go off, and I'll just start chucking people. <laughs> Boo! You suck. Hecklers yeah, in the back. That happens regardless whether we're yeah. talking football or if I'm just talking hunting. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, if someone sees us have a drink in our yeah. hand, give us a smack because we'll probably have one in our hand for most of the weekend. It's party, Perfect. party foul. Yeah. No, that's what it's about. It's about getting together, good people, you know, raising money for good causes and everybody's having a good time and just a bunch of like-minded people sharing stories and, you know, see where the weekend goes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you got anything else to touch on deb i don't think i have much i mean uh unless you got any more on your list i mean i've got a couple of things checked off of what i wanted i wanted to hear hunting stories that was the big one i was like three years there was sheep there was elk you touched on a lot of that so that was big for me do you have any other stories that always come to mind that you just love telling joe because you're a good storyteller and fuck i'd hear another one if you oh, got shit. one i appreciate that um no, it's been, it's been a long time. There's been a lot of hunts between our last chat and now, and maybe we'll just have to plan another podcast down the road and share a few more stories when that time comes. For sure, man. Yeah. Hey, here's one quick one before we go. Uh, you've stacked up every species you could think of pretty much across BC. What was your favorite hunt? There's a lot of species left on the list in BC, I got to say right now. I still got some left on the menu. But uh, my favorite hunt... Oh man, that's tough. What's your favorite animal to hunt then? Well, I'd say right now, like my favorite hunt to this point is probably this year's ram. Um, Because 
rarely do I get an opportunity to do a true solo hunt and being able to be out there and be completely solo that day and go through it all in that moment. And for an animal of that caliber to come together. Um, yeah, that, that hunt just played out absolutely perfectly. I, I hope because I was self-filming, I hope I gathered enough of it on camera, but it was just such a cool hunt, such beautiful country. Um, and, and to be able to come out of there with that animal was just like, yeah, fairy tale, fairy tale. And then after, after he was on the ground, I sat there for probably two hours next to him before I even put a knife to him and just kind of sat back and kicked my feet up and just stared up at the sky and went, I can't believe this just played out and I soaked it in. So that, that would be my favorite hunt to date. If you ask me now, if you ask me in two days, I might give you a different answer, but, uh, that, that's my answer right now. That's the CT. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll probably forget about the whole podcast. Yeah. It'll pop up and I'll be like, holy shit, when did I do that? Yeah. See him in three weeks. Who the fuck are you guys? Like, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I only say that because Kurt and I have the touch of that from hockey oh, yeah. too. So yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets out of here unscathed. Doesn't matter whether you're playing football uh, or something else. Not if you're enjoying life, that's for sure. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for your time. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, we just I love I love following you along on IG and Facebook and and when I do catch the edge, I got it on record. So it's uh, it's kind of neat following around following along on your career and your, your post career career, I guess you'd say, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, you're, you're doing it good. You're doing it great. You're a great representation of, uh, a BC resident hunter too. Just, just so you know, like it, you're doing a great job. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I consider that, a. we don't jerk too many uh, of the, the guys off good. on here. Usually we're pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> hard on people. So, <laughs> That's a pretty big feather in my cap. I appreciate that. I'm not sure I, I deserve those kind words, but I certainly appreciate it. I don't take it lightly. So, yeah, it means a lot, especially coming from you guys. And it's been a blast catching up after so many years. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be this long before we have another chinwag. It's been too long, man. I definitely. always enjoy chatting with you guys. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, that's usually on us. We barely get podcasts out and we call ourselves a podcast. We got chirped like that recently on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as long as you're having fun, that's what it's all about. You know, if you don't have haters, yeah. you're doing something wrong too. That's one thing I've definitely learned from the industry is for everybody that likes you, there's probably five people that hate you. So if you, the more haters you got, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks again for your time. And uh, we'll see you in a few weeks probably. Deadly gents, looking forward to it. We'll definitely make up for uh, not getting whiskeys last time. We'll have some whiskeys this go around. And uh, I'll make sure I throw some uh, sticks on the ground when you're doing the race just to watch you guys bail. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tanya, what is it? Ta Tanya, Tanya Harding, yeah. throw, some, throw some marbles. Was it marbles or a pearl or something? What did she throw on the ground there? <laughs> Fucking, she got two by four in the parking lot. I think. Oh, was that, I was, I was thinking about that figure. Was that the figure skater chick? I thought someone got. Yeah, or they threw a two by four while they were training, and she slipped on it. No, or no, yeah. she fucking got her ex husband to fucking bat the other chick in the knee because she couldn't beat her in competition. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it was. I, was I, I don't how I know that I don't know, but I do know that. You, you guys clearly watch a lot more figure skating than I do. <laughs>
It's a beautiful <laughs> sport, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, All thanks, right, dude. Gentlemen. See you in a few weeks, buddy. Take it easy. Take it easy. I came from the mud. There's dirt on my hands. Strong like a tree. There's roots where I stand. Oh, I've been running from the Catch me howling at the moon